Welcome to Spot on Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Spot on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise, providing safety knowledge when you need it. For more information about iWorkWise, go to iWorkWise.com. Welcome to Spot on Safety, Episode 21, OSHA Housekeeping Rules, with your hosts, Amy Does and Dan Smiley. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dan. As we pick up with the next episode of the uh, OSHA regulations, we're going to be talking this morning about housekeeping, and frankly, why does that matter? Yeah, you know, people often ask that because it seems like uh, OSHA is getting in their business a little too much, like, um, you know, how clean their workplace is. It isn't necessarily a safety violation, is it? It's, but what's, a couple of things that kind of happen is, and, and I know you know this from your time in the Coast Guard and, and uh, working in the Merchant Marine and, and whatnot, um, a, a clean workplace is kind of a sign that you are organized and you have your workload kind of under control. So um, it's, you know, any inspector who comes in, whether consciously or unconsciously, is going to form a first impression of your workplace. Well, that's and, not just OSHA either. I've had, I've seen that time and time again with Coast Guard inspection inspectors coming aboard inspected vessels to do a, a, either an original COI or, or a renewal COI. And vessels that look like they're squared away, inspectors can be off in as little as a couple of hours. And vessels that look like they're not squared away, inspectors can be there all day. The same thing happens to me if I'm if I'm hired to do a kind of OSHA audit or a OSHA re compliance review. I walk onto the vessel. I kind of have an idea of how long it's going to take right off the bat, and largely that's based on how clean and orderly the vessel is. And, and uh, frankly, it's just human nature. I think you dig in that much harder and assume that there are problems. Um, and it takes you longer to get through those kinds of things because you're looking at all those little individual messes and everything. When everything's put away, you, you, I think it's just human nature. Your eyes don't go uh, searching quite oh, as yeah, hard. Like anything else, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Yeah, exactly. And then there are... Um, actual um, serious safety hazards because of housekeeping. Obviously, you know, slips, trips, and falls comes to mind. Um, leaving debris all over the deck or, or, you know, those plastic straps that form a ring and you get one foot in there and another one and then you're pretty soon you're face planted. Um, sometimes if those are around open hatches, I mean, that is um, truly dangerous. So, Housekeeping, although it seems a little nitpicky and everything, it's kind of a sign of how the operations run, and I think everybody naturally takes it that way, and then there are also some real hazards associated with it. Maybe, maybe another area is fire hazards, you know, having having combustible debris everywhere and uh, a heater, you don't notice some cardboard boxes are piled up against it, and all of a sudden now you have a fire. So housekeeping can actually be quite a uh, important area, I think, for safety. You know, in the in oil spill operations, you know, one of the mottos that we have for people working on deck is always be cleaning. Yeah. Because you know, it it 
those kinds of things spread and it gets beyond you. And if it's not something that's instilled into people's every kind of minute of operations, I'm done with this tool, I'm going to put it away, you know, I've just finished handling all this oily debris, I'm going to wipe this whole area down. Uh, if, if that's not what they do, it's easy for these things to get away from you. Oh, I think they, they happen quickly, you know, and when you uh, demonstrate a respect for housekeeping practices, um, that presents really a picture of the captain and the crew as being competent and professional. Um, so that's where the, that's where the inspection starts. Um, and it's a much better place to start than, than uh, an inspector wondering how long their day is going to be because things are a mess. So OSHA regulates seas under, under what? What OSHA chapters do we find the housekeeping regulations? Um, these Most of the housekeeping rules are, are uh, for general industry are under 1910-141. Um, that contains, there really aren't that many rules. Um, OSHA pulled these over um, from some old uh, voluntary compliance standards that were written in the 50s. They actually came from the U.S. standards uh group, which became ANSI, the American National Standards Institute. Um, and when OSHA was created in 1970, um, they had a year to kind of pull some regulations together to give themselves a start. And that, that's, uh, that's where they got a lot of these housekeeping ones. So there aren't that many housekeeping regulations and, and all the general ones are under that 1910-141. Now, if you're doing ship repair, um, there's a, a bunch under 1915 about your, your housekeeping during shipyard or ship repair periods. And uh, there's also some housekeeping rules uh, under 1918.92, uh, kind of talking about lighting and, and uh, some other things related to that. And also 9 1918.91 has quite a bit on uh, keeping your place organized. So kind of depends what activity you're doing if you're on a vessel. Obviously, the 1910.141 general industry would apply kind of no matter where your vessel is, as long as you're within three miles. Um, if you're doing ship repair, no matter where you are, even if you're not in the yard, but your engineer's working on something, then those 1915 rules would come into play. And if you're offloading or backloading, um, you've got the 1918 rules also to uh, comply with. The good news is on it um, is most of these rules just kind of support the general premise to keep your workplace clean and organized. And if you just do that, you're going to be in compliance with most of the, the one-line regs. So uh, is there documented training I need to conduct with crews regarding this? Is that something that the OSHA inspectors are going to be looking at when they come on board my vessel to do an inspection? No, there's there are no training requirements related to this, and there are no written requirements related to it either. You don't have to have a written plan or you know, some things that some standards re re require um, or any procedures or anything. So there's no sign-off for training. Um, so it's all about the action. It's all about is your, is your place clean and organized or not. Um, and they know that you're going to be working there, so you're going to have maybe um, some lifting gear on the deck or hatches, you know. So most of the rules pretty much say you keep it as clean and sanitary and as organized as the work allows. One of the line items in your checklist calls for every workroom floor to be kept as dry as, as possible. How do the processing plants who 
tend to have water flowing everywhere as part of their the nature of their work. How do they address that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, and yeah, and the checklist for compliance in the uh, OSHA handbook for uninspected vessels, um, chapter two, we talk about uh, they have that one liner to keep it dry, and and that um, you can also provide waterproof boots. There's a second part to that requirement. Um, but they don't want standing water, and this is what this is a rule that actually goes back to the '50s from the U.S. standards um, directly, and it just says you have to have drainage. You don't want people standing ankle deep um, in in water floating around, and you have to have dewatering capabilities. And uh, so, you know, I th- I think on the ships and everything, you just have multiple sumps, and you you worry about dewatering for stability anyway. So. Processors have to have to worry about that for a couple reasons. All receptacles are in use. It seems like it addresses a, a lack of electrical capacity. What's OSHA looking for there? Um, what uh, what they're talking about there isn't really electrical. They're talking about garbage cans. Um, so when OSHA says receptacles, that, that to you and I, that kind of says um, electrical clearly. But what they're talking about are receptacles for garbage. So. Um, they they want your garbage cans to not leak. Um, they want them to be thoroughly cleaned and sanitary. Um, they want to have a cover on it, unless you can maintain it in sanitary condition without a cover. And they want to see it dumped regularly. So overflowing trash cans, uh, trash cans that smell completely rotten or full of maggots or anything like that could actually be an OSHA violation. <laughs> maggots. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I remember back in the when I was back in the Coast Guard and we'd be at sea, all the the garbage would end up being stacked up in the air castle on the port quarter of the of the ship, and it would just be held in place with a cargo net. And sometimes that stuff would be out there for for weeks. And one time we were you know, cruising off the coast of Nicaragua. It's like ninety degrees down there. You couldn't even go back to the fantail. It was so horrible. You know, on, yeah. bigger, on bigger Navy ships, they have incinerators and they're able to kind of, you know, deal with that thing. But the smaller Coast Guard cutters just didn't, well, they just weren't thinking about that when they were built. So there's no incinerators or any way to kind of deal with that that kind of thing. So it, it can get pretty gross. Oh, yeah. And that really is kind of unsanitary, you know. Get a little rain and have that runoff floating around all over your deck and then track it into your living quarters and your galley. Yuck. Uh, hoses and electrical connectors are elevated. Are we trying to avoid tripping hazards? What's the the genesis of that, Red? Um, that's a sh- that's a shipyard specific rule. Um, they don't want people tripping over cords. So you either elevate your cords or you put them under planks that people um, can walk on the planks and have the cords run underneath. Um, basically, it's just a trip hazard of having cords strung all over the vessel when it's in a repair period and. You know, both of us have spent quite a bit of time in shipyards and, and uh, on vessels going undergoing ship repair, and usually they're a nightmare jumble of cords running in every direction. So what, what OSHA is basically saying here is they have the ability to cite you if, if you have that kind of mess going on, and they want you to um, at least try to kind of keep those things organized so that you don't have a gigantic trip, trip hazard problem. Here's one people often struggle with, sometimes just due to lack of, of space, but to, uh, you know, keep the 
flammables under control? Where am I putting all these flammables and where am I dealing with the, the rags and brushes and other things that could end up causing uh, a fire hazard? More so in ship repair, I think, than in daily use. But we, we end up doing a lot of that kind of work out on the ships underway as well. Yeah, putting things away where they go um, and uh, putting the lids back on. Obviously, with flammable vapors, you know, as as conditions warm up, you generate more vapors. Those vapors uh, rise out of that container. They have a certain amount of vapor pressure, so they're going to rise out of that container. They're heavier than air. They're going to spill out and stay close to the ground. You could be smoking five feet away and have a problem, you know, go to stump your cigarette out and uh, actually have flame leading back to that open container. So that's a real problem and, and obviously spontaneous combustion with oily rags and things like that. So um, w- with that, OSHA is basically saying you have to keep your workplace tidy with these fire hazards um, so that you don't have a fire. But uh, work areas are kept free from equipment. This one, reminded, we just did a, 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 an exercise where we tested some new equipment that got deployed off the stern of the ship. So a lot of new work lines, uh, reels that hadn't been deployed before. And actually, it was quite a challenge to keep things out from under feet for people as they were trying to rig up this this new uh, equipment. This can't be just a problem for us. No. And and, uh, as far as OSHA goes, they just regulate it. Basically, to say that uh, the stuff that's not in use, if it's actually in use and everything, they realize you're going to have an issue. And, yeah, there could be some hazards with it, but what are you going to do? But if you are working on one project and your last project is left spread all over the deck, um, you know, that's just excessive. So I I would say that that's where you'd run into danger of that kind of citation. Here's what I haven't thought about since I left Western Pioneer and left the coastal freighters, um, ice that may fall from a loft. Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty interesting because if you're, if you're uh, where I run into this a lot is in Alaska, you're offloading the crabbers that you see in the deadly catch. And uh, they basically uh, are using their crane to hold a brailer and the processing crew is on, on that uh, ship unloading, throwing crab into that brailer. Well, those boats are pretty iced up. You go up to the Pribilof Islands or something like that in January when those seasons are, and that crane is completely encased in a glaze, a thick glaze of ice. So in that particular case, um, chunks of ice, I've actually seen a chunk of ice fall off and hit somebody, and it glanced off their hard hat and onto their shoulder, and it, it actually created an injury. Um so when you're talking about ice that's falling from a loft, it becomes uh, really relevant when you're talking about uh, fleets in cold climates that could, could get iced. And one of the times I was up in St. Paul uh, back in the, in the early 80s uh, in the Coast Guard, and we were going ashore. I forget the name of the vessel, but there was a big uh, processor that had gone aground, and we were going to rig up some gear to help bring the crew off. And it was it was so cold up there that the spray coming off the bow of the surf boat taking us to shore would freeze before it hit you in the face. Those climates are really difficult to kind of uh, deal with those icing conditions. 
And when you're offloading kind of regardless, it's that ice can build up fast. Oh, yeah. And and uh, gets a little warm or gets broken for whatever reason, like in the case of offloading crabbers, you're using the crane. So um, it's getting tweaked a little bit there and a uh, big chunk of ice falling on somebody. It's going to be a problem. Here's one I like. Lavatories are available. I just flew yeah. back from Houston, and I specifically like to sit in the back in the aisle because I tend to drink coffee during the whole flight. And I, I need a lavatory as close as possible. Yeah, as part of just general workplace conditions. You know, um, the, OSHA has a whole set of rules. I don't see them used a whole lot. A lot of places I work with are kind of food plants and things, and so they um, – have rules for food safety anyway that talk about lavatories but basically osha's rules say that your your bathrooms uh, restrooms have to be sanitary um you have to have them uh you have to have hot and cold running water and hand soap and towels and garbage can and then it's the the bathrooms cleaned regularly and maintained in good order and so if you have some uh real mess on your hands that that's uh, certainly could turn out to be an osha violation and during the response to the Katrina hurricane down in, in Louisiana, I was driving back and forth between Houma and, uh, and Leeville, and the only restaurant that was open was this McDonald's, and you never saw a more disgusting bathroom in your whole life. Usually the gas stations are worse, but this, this one sounds bad. Well, maybe it was because they were the only thing open and so many people were going there. But you walk in going, God, I really shouldn't eat here. This, yeah. is, this is probably a really bad idea. But it was sort of eat there or eat nowhere. But, man, that could be a problem. Yeah. So there's a rule to uh, to try to make employers uh, keep things clean. So there's another interesting thing that OSHA deals with in their housekeeping standards for, for all industries is that um, they, ha they have a rule that says basically you can't consume food or drinks um, in a bathroom or in an area exposed to a toxic material. And um, this comes into play, uh, you know, if you're you see in the shipyards, you're chipping paint or painting or whatever, and you might stop to have a sandwich um, or you want to drink some coffee, you know, in between, and you've got all those pink flakes all over you that are coming up off the deck or whatnot. And, um, you know, they don't want people ingesting that stuff. Um, and that could happen if you don't kind of wash up before lunch. Um, you could have those that dust falling in your coffee. Um, and they're, they're trying to avoid uh, exposure. The other thing is, is in storage, um, you know, you can't store food and drinks in the restroom either. Um, that's that's part of the OSHA rules. And, or in, in your dry storage, I see this on ships all the time, they might have some spick and span right next to their uh, soy sauce, you know. And you're not, you're not supposed to store your toxic materials next to your food. Um, I've seen this with OSHA go to an extreme where you go on a deck shack in a, in a vessel um, and the deck crew there has a coffee pot and some creamer and you know, whatever, you see it on all kinds of vessels. Um, and, you know, you got some WD-40 right next to it. Well, an OSHA inspector in a bad mood has plenty of room to write you a ticket um, for even that situation because you're not supposed to have food and, food and drinks right next to your toxic materials. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm sure, you, as you point out, we'd find that almost anywhere. Anywhere kind of off the beaten path of 
normal industrial processes. Sure. A lot of this seems like it should be common sense. You know, don't uh, have a dirty environment. I mean, we tell our we tell our five year old kids wash your hands after you go to the restroom. This this should be a no brainer. But apparently, yeah. it's not. It needs rules. Yeah, there are some rules in. Uh, uh, I think they really are in the. Some rules, you know, OSHA has aren't really common sense, and you kind of have to really know what you're doing and be trained in those specifically because you just would never come up with them on your own. Nice thing about housekeeping rules are, are most of them really are um, pretty obvious, but it's not like, I mean, Dan, think about the workplaces or vessels you've been in, and have you seen overflowing trash cans? You talked about the Coast Guard where they had, you know, kind of garbage on the deck sitting there for days, you know. Um, it's not like we haven't seen all of these situations, even though they are common sense. They're just that that constant upkeep situation. You got to when you're managing a vessel or a facility, you got to keep your eyes on all of that stuff, making sure things are uh, getting taken care of. So, yeah, kind of kind of the common sense uh, approach. And you know, I think kind of the way why these rules are that way is they're old. They come from those those standards from the 50s and 60s where they kind of wrote things plainly and uh, didn't get incredibly detailed about it in general. So that's kind of nice. I mean, most everybody can kind of figure out why these things are a problem. But why I wanted to bring up the food and food stored next to chemicals is I just see that all the time. And, you know, even in your kitchen, I mean, most of the time you keep the stuff under the kitchen sink, that's chemicals, right? Most people do and food other places, but in your pantry, you might have some stored next to each other, and that's okay. OSHA's not going to come into your house, but they are going to come into your workplace. And um, and I've actually seen uh, liquid chemicals spilled, and they're being soaked up by the box of paper cups right next to them and stuff. So, you know, you kind of hopefully you wouldn't be drinking out of those because you'd notice that, you know. But, uh, but stuff happens, and uh, they're concerned about that, so people should keep an eye out for it. Oh, yeah. And you would think that it would be it would be all common sense, but I tell you what, my wife has been trying to enforce housekeeping rules on me for 21 years. <laughs> and our, our standards are, are not necessarily the same. Yeah, exactly. So. But that's that's good. You know, there's some room for some interpretation. Yeah, exactly. Although not from her side. Right. No, no. Her, <laughs> she's she's pretty much the OSHA inspector. It's pretty rigid on that side of the uh, that side of the fence. Well, it's a good thing she's not an OSHA inspector. I can't even imagine how I would live if, yeah. if she wasn't around. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lots of people, I think, can relate to that. Well, thank you again for joining us today, Amy, reviewing the housekeeping standards. The next one we'll be doing is posting for signs, and I think that'll be a really great one. Until then. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spot on Safety. If you would like to ask a question or leave a comment, you can email us. The address is spotonsafety at iworklife.com.